What is up, restaurant world? Welcome to the Tip Share, where we dive deep into the labyrinth of all things restaurant, open up conversations with owners, operators, vendors, and industry experts to explore everything that's happening within the industry and its current climate. Sit back, grab your shift drink, and let's share our tips. First, I want to thank so much Drew Frank from joining us from Western Paper here in Denver, Colorado. Uh, is kind of an industry expert on paper to go packaging, supplies, those kinds of things for for restaurants specifically. Drew, thanks so much for joining us. Of course, thanks for having me. And then also from RSI's team, we've got Max Stryker and Catherine Reeves, who are uh, the two member dynamic duo of our purchasing department. Um, <laughs> Max and Kat, thanks so much. Welcome. Thanks, thanks Dave. Dave. Yeah. I appreciate everyone's time this morning. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, purchasing products and the state of the industry and, and how all of that comes together uh, and, and to be able to give some things to consider for uh, for restaurants as they're making decisions and, and trying to uh, utilize all this delivery and takeout that's grown so much in 2020 and beyond. Uh, Drew, the first question is for you. Uh, how would a restaurant client know if they're ordering the right things, if they're ordering the right products for their food or for their concept? What are some things that they should consider in that way? Well, the first thing they need to think about is um, the food that they're serving, first of all, right? Before you even start with packaging, you need to think about, okay, does the food that I'm serving travel well? Or the things that we need to pare down on our menu for a to-go program? Because you could have the best packaging in the world, but eggs are still going to get cold two seconds after you plate them, right? Yeah. So, so that's the first thing. It's like, okay, what is the food that we're serving? Is it going to get to where it's going? Does it have does it have the ability to be have integrity in that travel? The next thing you want to think about is, okay, so if I need to make sure that it's hot and it stays hot, or if it, it's cold and it needs to stay cold and it doesn't wilt because I add hot protein, whatever the case may be, then you got to think about the substrate that it's going in. There are specific plastics and and fibers and all sorts of different substrates that make for a good packaging experience for the product that's going in it, right? So it's if it's designed to stay hot but needs to be crisp, it's a certain type of package. If it needs to stay hot and it's a liquid, it's a certain type of package. So that's the second thing to think about. Um, and then from there, how's the guest going to experience it when they sit down and eat it? So, you know, do you want them to be able to eat out of it because it's going to be hot and ready to go? Or do you expect the customer to reheat it and therefore it needs to be ovenable or microwavable? Um, you know, all of those things factor in. And then the fourth is, does it look like it's worth what the customer paid for it? Right. Does it look like a $15 burger or does it look like a $5 burger based on the condition it's in when it gets to where it's going? We've all seen those uh, <laughs> those Twitter images and and things like that. Of well, the think nightmare. about the the most recent Domino's. Yeah, ad, yeah. Right, Domino's is literally saying tacos and burgers don't travel well. Get it on a pizza, and I say that's crap. Um, there are plenty of burger places that do a phenomenal job. There are plenty of taco places that have the right containers and make those travel extremely well. But you have to think about it because if you don't do it the right way, it's going to show up like those images in the Domino's commercial. For sure. And, and you know, kind of off what you're saying, just the maintaining your brand and you through, you, you don't want to serve a, you know, $80 steak in a foam package, right? Like that it just, it cheapens your image and, and it doesn't, 
project the, the experience that you want, that your customers would get within your four walls when they're getting takeout. Along those same lines, Catherine, uh, what has changed yeah. in terms of sustainability, it, it, the, the types of packaging? You mentioned foam. Yeah, I, I think Big Mac got rid of the foam, the styrofoam <laughs> clamshell in 1987. What other trends? How is that still continuing to change now? Yeah, it's, that's a really important piece. And all the clients that we've talked to uh, during this time where packaging has become so much more important than it ever has been, everybody, I would say probably 90% of people we talk to, they're like, you know, we need to make sure that there's sustainability here. Um, there's still clients out there that like the foam, but, you know, let's be, let's be honest, it's, it's going the way of the dinosaur. So it's definitely a priority for, for most of our clients at this time to think about the environment. I, Drew, yeah, I, Drew, I see what are you seeing? In, what are you seeing in the in that space as far as you know, the the migration? Looking at your total piece of business, I would say so. From from a sustainability standpoint, no one's ever said right that food was terrible, but it was in a compostable package, so I'm going to order it again. Right, that's just not how the world works. Um, but what I would say about that is you can always have the correct substrate and figure out how to blend it into your environmentally sustainable program. So even if it's in polypropylene, it's still a number five on the recycle, you know, wheel, and that can be uh, recycled depending on your municipality. Um, you know, there, there are ways, especially if it's in the fabric of your business to be a sustainable business to incorporate that. But right now, with so many options, everyone doing to-go, right? It's not just the usual suspects doing to-go anymore or the people who were focused on it. It's everybody from fine dining to fast casual to, you know, every type of restaurant. They have to, right? They have no choice, at least here in the Colorado market, the Denver market. Um, and one negative experience throws their customer at somebody else down the street because, you know, there's so many options, unfortunately, that you, you can't risk a negative experience in favor of a sustainable platform. Sure. Drew, that's a really interesting take on that. Um, in, in the clients that you work with, how often do you recommend that they reevaluate what they're doing and, and look for different or new? Or how often do these products change and how often should they be reevaluating their program? Uh, anytime you have a menu change, we want to reevaluate, especially if they're putting, you know, seasonal items or they're going to expand their offering into family meals, par baked items. You know, certainly we would want to refresh there um, as different concepts grow their brand, grow their strategy. We always look at how do we leverage different items across the entire group as opposed to one specific unit. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're always looking at how do we balance the cost of the item with needs? Like, okay, so right now everybody's in a crunch. Do we have the ability to save on things that are costing them money while spending things that are going to make them money? Um, that's a big thing to look at. Like the center of the plate, we need to spend because that's the guest experience. And, you know, some of the back of the house items or maybe the sides or um, things along those lines, that's where we might want to look to save. Because the customer is not going to notice the difference in your 35 versus 28 gauge film, I promise. 
No doubt. Um, that's really interesting. I remember back uh, visiting with some clients back in late June, early July, um, when right after the the market kind of opened back up a little bit more uh, here in Denver specifically, and and we walked into a to a client, and they had an entire length, thirty feet of worth of wall space. Of just anything they could get their hands on, the the demand was so high that they were ordering whatever they could get, um, and they uh, they weren't able to to make some of those decisions uh, and be able to continue to to drive it forward. In terms of inventory tracking and, and ordering, um, what are some good ways that restaurants can do that without having to line a thirty foot wall uh, with any to go packaging they can get? And I'll open that up to the team. Anybody wants to jump in? I can start if you yeah, like. Sure. Um, Go ahead, Rip. Well, the biggest thing is making sure that you've got the the right package that meets the, as much of your food as possible. Mm-hmm. Right, right now is not the time to have the specific package for every dish that you're going to serve. And so, if you have the ability to consolidate the items that you're buying, right, you can do a few things there. You can drive the right costing because the volume goes up. You can reduce the amount of SKUs that you need to store. Um, and, and truthfully, you know, supply chain is really tight right now. So inventory is going to continue to be a challenge. And so that's where you have to work with your distribution partner to make sure, okay, these guys have inventory for me that they're going to say, okay, we're going to do everything we can to make sure you get the right amount when you order it. But also with dining rooms closed, you have to use some of that dining room space to store some of this stuff because you know, I say, you know, another thing I say all the time is if you're a coffee shop and you don't have cups, you can't sell coffee. Yeah. Right. So if you're a restaurant that can only do to go and you don't have the container that it needs to go in, you can't really sell the product. So, you know, as as smart business owners, you have to think, OK, this is this is lead. This is position A for the products that we're using. And we're going to have some inventory on it. And we're going to work with our key suppliers to make sure we do. But if we need to move to position B, you know, is it going to continue to drive a good experience? And we're going to continue to be able to stay in business. And it's interesting, uh, you know, just with looking at looking at our our clients' data from um, like for, uh, the disposals purchases through Broadline Distribution. Looking at January and February, you know, it was in the seven hundred seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a month um, range. And then you know, now looking at last month or April up till last month, um, it's in the one point six million dollar range. You know, so are you seeing, um, you know, are you seeing um, issues, you know, supply issues and stuff like that? I mean, obviously the demand is way up. Yeah, I mean, we see it. It basically varies week to week on who might have outage issues. The biggest thing we're seeing right now is the polypropylene guys, the guys who are making the containers that are designed to be microwave, that are designed to transport hot food. Um, we're seeing big issues with them, just to, their ability to get the raw materials to make those packages. Um, they're telling us that the first of the year they should see some clear up there, but um, you know we'll see. We've we've seen it throughout. Um, it's funny you mentioned foam. Well, think about uh, long-term care communities who now no longer can have people dining in their dining rooms, so everything needs to go to the resident. Or think about prisons and the way that they do it. Those guys are the ones buying up the foam inventory right now because they you know they have an unbelievably tight budget, you know, census is all over the place. And so the phone market, while, you know, we say, Hey, don't use it because it's bad for your image. You can't get it anyway. 
right? Yeah. There's, and it's just hard to hard to find. And so um, that's where it's like, okay, we got to find the right item, but then we also need to have some sort of flexibility. Sure. Uh, along the same lines, and I'm almost afraid to ask the question, glove, when do you see that? <laughs> change? Just say the same thing. <laughs> so uh, what I'll say is um, the obviously we know where it is today. Um, I don't see nitrile, which is the most popular glove for restaurants, nor leveling until mid-year next year. Wow. Um, some of the other substrates, whether it's a vinyl nitrile blend or just a straight vinyl glove or some of the synthetic gloves, um, we're seeing some normalization in there and we're seeing additional inventory coming into the market, but the prices are still significantly higher than what we saw you know, before the pandemic hit. You have to think about all the different industries that would have never worn gloves before. And now they're not only are they wearing them, but they're changing them extremely frequently. Yeah. And and it's, you know, it's impacting every industry that we sell into and industries that we don't sell into. People sure. are gloving up. And it's just talking to, you know, talking to a lot of our clients. And obviously one of the first questions they ask is gloves because they are, you know, they've doubled in price. Mm -hmm. And, you know, is there any of the, any material that, you're seen as um, more cost effective or, you know, most of the people we talk to, they're just like, we buy whatever we can get. But yeah. Um, you, you want to break it down by who you have on the team wearing gloves and what the, what they're doing. Right. So if you're a food service operator has somebody who's in the front of house and they're literally changing the gloves for every single order, or they're changing gloves to punch in an order or something along those lines. Um, the example we use all the time is if like you're the yogurt shop, who now has to, instead of the customer filling their own, you're going to fill it for them and you're going to wear gloves. The least expensive option is a cast poly glove. Think of that as the Subway glove. When they make your sandwich, that's the glove that you, that it's most cost effective, readily available. The case packs are giant. Um, that's the glove you want to be using. And then you kind of scale it from there. If you've got a chef in the back who's got to cut meat, then maybe you need to spend on at least a, you know, vinyl nitro blend if not continuing to buy that, that nitro glove. Um, it just, it depends on how they're being used, but that's, we're, we're trying to work with our customers specifically to say, what's, what are you do, using them for? And how can we shift you into the right glove that's going to be cost effective, but also meet the need? Cool. I know clients are, especially in the restaurant sector, are spending so much more as, as we've seen in our data. I think, Max, what did you say, $750,000 last year to over $1.5 million this year, more than doubled in what they've spent per, uh, per on these yeah. per month Yeah, on, mm -hmm. on these types of products. What are some tips or tricks that people can, can not fall into uh, the issue of wasting disposables? And, and what are some of the, uh, the ways that those do get wasted? And how can the how can a restaurant operator or any one of your clients mitigate that? So, um, you know, waste is an interesting thing, right? Because the stuff that I sell, the packaging, it doesn't go bad. Whereas you've got food on in refrigerators and freezers and on shelves that can go bad. Um, and so you, you want to take this in two parts. You want to take this as, okay, how do I reduce waste in the building as it relates to costing? How do I make sure I don't have money tied up in things on my floor that doesn't need to be tied up as well as how do I mitigate any waste in the packaging that I'm using for the food as it heads out the door, right? So things to think about there are um, 
how many, you know, portion cups and different lids am I using? And how often am I making changes that leave me with a shelf full of lids or a container that somebody else ordered that's just sitting there because we can't use it? You really need to tighten up your purchasing. Make sure you have somebody on the team that's designated to buy the thing so you don't buy the one-offs. You don't buy the oops or the, hey, we're running to a busy weekend and I think we could use these, right? So, so that's from the restaurant perspective is paring down the items that you're using, making sure that you're not buying random things, working closely with your supplier to make sure that they know what you need. They're getting you the right stuff. They've got you covered. And then understanding those supply chain challenges from the supplier and know what you might need to stock up on because it's the most important thing for your restaurant and what you can buy in a just-in-time delivery fashion so that you don't have dollars tied up in inventory on your floor that you know you only use one case a month of. Sure. The other thing that that restaurants can do, and even we, we ordered um, takeout from our favorite restaurant last night, and they, they asked the question, do you want the plasticware? And it's coming into our home. We're using our own plates and our own silverware anyway. No. So that that's a, a way that that restaurants can at least ask the question when people are placing the order, if it's via phone or if there's a way to do it through any of the ordering apps to uh, do you want these items? And if the answer is no, why, why incur the cost and send them? Mm -hmm. Couple, uh, couple of anecdotal or fun stories. Uh, any food winners or losers in the to-go packaging arena? Uh, any fun uh, vented store or uh, stories from from any clients that you have out there on on things that work or things that don't work in in specific packages? Hmm. So well, we, yeah, I can speak to that a little bit. We ran into a client that uh, actually sent your way, Drew. You know. His main concern was that you know he's buying all this stuff from a broadliner and he does not like this this packaging for his gumbo. It's not working. The lids fall off. You know he's had a ton of complaints, but the broadliner isn't being being very helpful. He's like, well, that's all we got. So I would think Drew that you know independent paper houses might service clients a little bit better than a distributor broadliner just because a broadliner sells so many things besides packaging you know so i think your area of expertise would you're going to be able to help that client find another alternative to that soup cup that he has that's not working would you say yeah. so oh absolutely i mean i you know i i wouldn't bash any of these broadliners i know that they've been hit hard as restaurants for sure they're, they're working you know as best they can but if you ask um a seller from a broadliner what category if they were to rank, rank their categories disposables is category eight that's that's what they think about, you know, as it relates to they have seven other things that they're going to focus on before they get to our category. And for mm -hmm. me, it's category one and only. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so so from that perspective, we have a broader range of products that we're able to offer um, really that are going to to meet that need. Um, you know, I've got a, a few fun examples of uh, customers kind of thriving right now. We've got we've got a customer who has really transitioned into a, these meals to go, um, family style meals, and they're par baked and they're leveraging their name. It's a recognizable name, um, and saying like, "Hey, our chefs are you know you're still getting the delicious food from our chefs, but serve your whole family. Don't just get that individual meal." And, um, you know, they're giving you instructions like here's how you heat it. Here's how you serve it. 
And in some cases, they're sending along videos that are, um, you know, with our chef, here's how you're going to do this meal. And, you know, thank you for buying. We have other customers who are um, thriving right now because their business has always been focused on to go. Right. Most of their food was served on disposables anyway. And so with with their uptick, they've been able to get more creative with their branding. Um, things about how they're giving back to the Denver frontline workers and how they are um, adding compostable items, because why not? Um, you know, I think I think we've seen some of that. Um, you know, on the flip side to that, we've had some customers who unfortunately had to, you know, let a lot of people go. And, you know, in those situations, all we think about is, all right, what, what can we do from our side that's going to um, to help them stay in business and help them drive a good experience and and work with them on some of their marketing techniques, right? I don't I don't sell marketing, I don't do marketing really, um, but you need to be telling people things. Every every package that goes out the door needs to tell somebody something they didn't know about your restaurant, whether that's how to interact or um, something else they could add in their next meal, whatever the case may be, or a coupon for the next time. Drew, along those lines, um, what, uh, for um, imprinted uh, product or custom product and things like that, you having having custom containers made versus even just putting a you know having stickers printed and stuff like that. What do what do you guys see in in that area? So I would always recommend that um, you start with the bag because everything's going to go in a bag, right? And a lot of people want to be in paper bags today, but paper bags, there's a giant shortage, right? I don't know if you noticed, but Trader Joe's has a plastic bag. By the way, it's badass. It's a sweet plastic bag, and I prefer <laughs> it to the paper bag. Um, but that's just the nature, right? A lot of these businesses that were paper, 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 they got to go plastic. Well, guess what? Plastic is way less expensive and has um, way smaller minimums to print and has a ton of opportunity to get your messaging out there, whatever that looks like. Um, you know, nobody ever questions where the food comes when they got delivery. So if it just has your logo on it, you missed it. You should be telling them something, whether it's where you, you know, source your food and how, um, you know, it's farm to table, it, telling them about your, um, you know, specials, how to get to your app, how to interact with the restaurant, whatever the case may be. Um, but that's where you want to start because the container's going in the bag anyway, right? Um, and cups is not a good place to be right now because most people are doing, you know, craft cocktails, canned drinks, but they're not doing fountain drinks. So I would stay away from that. Um, napkins is another really easy one to do, especially if you're doing some of these family meals. Because, again, you can print a napkin, whether it's a cocktail napkin or a dinner napkin, throw it in with a family meal, and then anybody who's sitting around and – sees those napkins will have will know something about your restaurant sure that's awesome that's a great tip i saw it was a it's a chain based out of california i think they have about 45 or 50 locations that is doing tv dinners to go when dine-in was still happening over the summer and their little foil trays they look like an old school tv dinner i thought that was a really creative way and they For priced sure. them 
they priced them perfectly. They were between nine and eleven dollars, um, so that you could take home five or six. They were already frozen, ready to go. But again, those creative things that our industry is doing to rally around their team and try and keep as many people employed as they possibly can and, and keep those lights on right now. It's it's fun to see. Uh, Max, Catherine, uh, Drew, any other questions or any other kind of industry things that we need to get on the table today before we wrap up? I think we covered kind of everything. That's uh, good. Yeah. I would, uh, I'd encourage restaurants as they're trying to solve right now. Um, you probably have somebody in your network that you can reach out and ask for help. Um, and, and if you are ever going to do it, you know, now is the time to do it, whether that's from the suppliers and asking what they see or the restaurant next door and asking them what they're doing. Right. It's it's not my burger place versus your burger place right now. It's the restaurant industry versus COVID-19. Right. Good point. And, and we need we need to you know continue to lean on that. If you're a restaurant that's ever supported anyone before, maybe, you know, giving a free meal to a softball team or whatever the case may be. Why don't you go ask them for, hey, you know, we had your back then. Can you have our back now? Can you tell somebody about us? Um and, you know, utilize the social medias and any other way that you can communicate what you're doing and get people involved. I've had plenty of people who, you know, work at different restaurants, reach out and say, hey, this might not be for you, but you might know somebody who it is for. Um, could you pass this along? And um, I know everyone that has the privilege of being able to work at home and, and still have a job right now. Um, we're very open to doing things like that. Um, you know, I've seen some things fly around LinkedIn that's like, hey, if you need help, reach out to me. Well, I think that's what restaurants need to be thinking about is who can they reach out to and what conversations can they have and um, how, how do they, you know, get through because we, we, we have good news on the horizon. Vaccines are coming. Restaurants are going to be reopened. And, uh, you know, the, the amount of influx in business they're about to walk into is going to be nuts. And we're going to have a whole totally different problem because, they're going to have so much stuff to use and so much business that they're going to you know, have a two hour wait. So um, it's coming, but they need to stay optimistic, need to ask for help now and, and fight through this winter. I love that. Yeah. And I, um, I, I do know that the light at the end of the tunnel is getting a little bit brighter, a little bit bigger every single day. And, and we do, uh, have a, a couple, a couple months to weather and, and be able to get through this. I love that asking for help and, and being creative. Drew, thank you so much for your time. For Max, sure. Catherine, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I really appreciate kind of regrouping and, and talking a little bit about the state of the industry and, and to go packaging, especially because that is heavily leveraged right now more than ever. Definitely. For sure. Thank Thanks you. for having Thanks. me. Thanks, Dave. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks for joining us this week on The Tip Share. Make sure to visit our website, restaurantaccountingservices.com, where you can view more educational content, subscribe to our monthly newsletter, so you'll never miss an episode. Thanks again.